0: listening to Why Always Us, your weekly look into Manchester City from The Athletic. In today's show we're going to be talking about City and goalkeepers, looking at the shot stoppers from the past and the present and how their role has changed recently and we'll be taking a look at why City's pressing game hasn't been the same this season compared to others under Guardiola. I'm David Mooney and you're in the safest of safe hands this week with Sam Lee and never crumbling under the pressure of the opposition closing down, it's Jack Pickbrook. If you're missing the football at the moment and uh, you'd like some more in-depth features and ad-free podcasts then you can get a 90-day free trial from the athletic just use the promo code man city pod what can we get from you two on the athletic at the moment jack what are you up to
1: i am doing a few pieces about french and german football um what's going on there at the moment obviously germany is coming back this weekend france has stopped uh, as well as watching girls on dvd which is really really good uh, having <laughs> years. i'm not kind of halfway through season three at the moment
0: so is this i mean away from away from girls is this around um uh, project restart
1: yeah so I've just tr- just been doing various stuff looking at the kind of comparative approaches in different European countries obviously it seems like the premier league is moving towards a restart in June although we won't can't really believe it until we see it whereas of course Germany is starting this weekend apparently
0: Well, I'm uh, I'm interested to find out how that goes because uh, I am interested to see if we'll get to finish this Premier League season. Um, You can get all of that plus much more with your 90-day free trial from The Athletic. Just look for theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Now, when you think of a Guardiola team, you think of free-flowing, passing and moving into space and hunting the ball back in a very strategic way when they've lost possession. City certainly were doing that under him in the last few seasons, but before the campaign was brought to a halt, City weren't pressing like they used to. Um, Sam, you've been working on this recently. They always say that attack is the best form of defence. What does that mean for City?
2: Yeah, it means being the first one to to put pressure on the opposition. So if you're Aguero or Raheem Sterling or whoever's up, in the front three you know it's their job to to put pressure on and obviously because the players are so well drilled on the training ground by Guardiola and his staff then the next players go after them, you know. So if if you push up, then it's not pointless pressure. The midfielders will come up behind you and that's why the defence play high and that's why you need a goalkeeper like Edison who can play outside his box or, or come out of the side of his box. So everyone's compact and you put the defence under pressure and the goal, I think, for City has been for the defence just to hoof it away. City get it back because they worked a lot on the long balls, uh, second ball, sorry, um, and then City can build their attacks again. But um, yeah, that kind of defending from the front, has changed a little bit this season. And I think, more than anything, that's been the the thing that's led to them um, falling away from Liverpool quite so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask uh, in in terms of that. I mean, Jack, I used to um, I used to ask Guardiola week in, week out in his first season about the kind of quote problems in defence, um, and he would consistently say that the problems were in both boxes, not not one end of the pitch or the other. Um, and when you kind of look at how City are, are, are supposed to press and when the forward players don't do it as well as they should do, it does put a lot more pressure on the, the players at the back.
1: Yeah, I think one of the main the. The main like underpinning concept of how Guardiola sees football is its globality, right? It's the fact that everything is connected, and you can't blame you can't blame the the fact that City concede goals and the fact the defenders aren't playing well, just in the fact in the same way that you can't necessarily attribute failure to score goals on to the attackers. It's all together. Like the one example to me that stands out was when. City went out the Champions League in 2017 to Monaco, losing 3-1 in the second leg away from home. And people blamed the defence afterwards in the press conference, and Guardiola blamed the attack, saying the problem was that they didn't press properly, and that's why they didn't control the game. So clearly, it is all you know. It does all wrap up together, and you can't really you can't separate one part from the whole and analyse it.
0: Jack, we always say, I mean, there's a very football, in terms of like football language, it's a very football thing to say that X or Y has been found out. Oh, you know, Guardiola's tactics have been found out as, as a sort of criticism. Um, but genuinely, have opposition teams found out a way to, to beat City's press, to pass through it?
1: I agree with you in being sceptical of that kind of claim. It's also, it also strikes me as being like a slightly ludicrous thing to say about a team that has just won two consecutive Premier League titles. Like no, you know, nothing in football lasts forever, and no, no one team's dominance w- is ever permanent. And if a team gets, you know, wins two consecutive titles, one of which they win 100 points, next year they get 98 points, then I don't think you can fairly say they've been found out if they don't win it the following year. Um, That said, yeah, I think teams probably are better at at playing against City just because what City are doing is less unfamiliar now. Like, you know, teams have seen City, they know what they're trying to do. They might come, you know, whether they want to sit deep or press high, I think they probably, opposition probably have a slightly better handle now on on what they're going to go into the game trying to do. So I do think, and I think that's basically been borne out by results. Sometimes you can look at, you know, you can try and attribute City struggles this year to City not playing as well, but maybe it's just the opposite. the opponents are playing better. I'm not sure. I'm sure Sam would have a view.
2: Yeah, well, I again. So I really tried to get into this with Guardiola uh, at the end of November. It was actually before the Newcastle game um, when they when they drew again and they weren't particularly good at Newcastle. They did deserve to win, to be fair. It was just after they'd drawn with Shakhtar at home, which wasn't a particularly good game either. So we were talking about the pressing. It was quite a good little exchange. Um. So he said, you know, normally in the first and second season when we made the press, the opposition team would play a long ball. He goes, you press, and it was long ball. He goes, now the teams are getting better. He goes, they use the keeper, they use the keeper, they use the keeper. They let you come onto them, and then they're good on the ball. So then you play out, and he used a Chelsea example. So he said, you see Kepa play with Zuma, Kovacic, and Kante. He said, it's more difficult because they're good. And he said, if you look at the Champions League game against Shakhtar, he goes, you see when they have the ball, the central defender on the left has got a lot of quality. He said Stepanenko and the other ones play with the ball. Because the Brazilian midfielders have the quality, so they get the ball, they control it, they keep it, and they can pass it off. So yeah, that what he's effectively saying, I suppose it's an easy way, you know, the way the, the cliched way that we look at football. You could probably sensationalise it a bit and say Guardiola says City have been found out, but that's kind. Of, that is kind of what he's getting at. It's it's the fact that the opposition they know what City are going to do, and also they're a bit more comfortable in their own skin. You know, they they can maybe plan for it, or maybe just you know the the average quality of the league in terms of being passing teams has has got better. So you know, Brighton have now got Potter as the manager, so they might be more prepared to play through a press than they would have been with Chris Hughton. So that's not necessarily finding out City, but that's an example of how a team that you would expect City to beat has, has changed and evolved and would be more used to playing again against City style. So when you've also got a press that's a little bit more sloppy or in some games a little bit more passive to use Guardiola's words, you combine that with teams who are playing through it a bit better. I remember the Norwich game. Norwich were fantastic at playing out from the back of Carrie Road. Like So if City were playing with that 4-4-2 press, which we didn't really get into in this article, but I do hope to at some point, so city's shape had changed a bit anyway and david silver was one of the ones pressing but david silver there was a story from jack gorn in the mail at the start of the season that as far as back as last season the city analyst had noticed his running stats had dipped a bit so david silver was one of the first ones to go and press so that obviously i think it's fair to say that probably wasn't working quite as well and then you've got a team like norwich who were playing out from the back really well and then you've start to get into these combination of factors and then So the pressing then is an issue and then you look at the fact that De Bruyne didn't play that game and he was playing a kind of double pivot with Gundogan and Rodri which had Gundogan still needing to get forward but still get back and he neither did one thing nor the other and it was the first game without Laporte so Otamendi made that mistake in his own box obviously Um, and you can see there you've got four or five different factors so when we go into a why our city you know why have why have City got so far behind Liverpool this season? It's not because oh complacency or oh five players went to Pep in the summer and said well, you need to change this or you know some hypothetical thing like that. We've got five different examples within one game there of why they lost, and then it happened again against Wolves. Very similar things. Um, well, yeah. You know, with- Cancelo playing left back and then all of a sudden you're six points behind Liverpool in fact no more because they drawn with Spurs which was they felt really hard done by anyway and then you go to Liverpool and they they lose partly because Edison got injured the game before and all of a sudden you're thinking well the league's gone so that's kind of why because you've got five or different five or six different examples in each game including the pressing of why City have struggled this season and then it just snowballs and the confidence goes and it's not the same team anymore you don't have that same belief.
0: There was something you said in there, Sam, that made my little heartbreak as well. Um, because I, I was going to ask Jack in terms of of, of uh, City's style, how much of this is down to personnel factors? You now they've they lost Laporte and, and Sane for for large spells of the season, um, and, and Sam mentioned it. David Silva can't run like he used to run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you can't play. Obviously, you can't play the football Guardiola wants to play without the top top level players like that you know that was clear in 2016-17 when Guardiola tried to play this way with basically a sort of aging old squad and it didn't work and city were rubbish that year like that is very obvious and of course it's also obvious that Silva you know David Silva has been integral to everything that everything that city have done over the last decade it's kind of mad when you see you see these discussions on Twitter when people say that Silva is is overrated or Silva's importance <laughs> is not as much as Yaya Torre or Aguero. Look, we talked about this before in the podcast.
0: I didn't understand it, how that how him being the best player that we'd seen was a controversial opinion, but apparently it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he's just he is so he is so important to how City have played both with and without the ball, and he has that kind of as well as being fantastic on the ball on the ball in the way that we've discussed. He also you know, used to have that kind of like scurrying intensity and ability to win the ball back off people and snap at heels and he just doesn't do that anymore. Like he doesn't have he doesn't go tear around the pitch snapping at heels, leading the press. And that that obviously means that when he plays City don't City kind of struggle, I think, with physical intensity sometimes. I think sometimes in games when Silver plays City don't have the same physical intensity or they can get run off the pitch in a way which wouldn't have been the case sort of three or four years ago. Um, so yeah like the I certainly think that the you know individual factors have cert- have contributed to to city's ability in this area.
0: It's funny you should mention Guardiola's first season uh, because the record at this point with 10 games left of this season is pretty much the same as it was with 10 games left in, in Guardiola's first season. Uh, both on 57 points. They've scored uh, 14 more goals than they had done that year, but uh, the defense again is is uh, already now worse than it was in that uh, in that first Guardiola season. Um one of the one of the uh, aspects that Sam mentioned before was uh, was Edison not quite being up to to where he has been. That first season, Claudio Bravo was um, let's let's be fair to him and say not great. Um, let, 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 just That's very at, Yeah, I was yeah. Um, looking at the at the goalkeeping situation, um, how much of this season has been down to to Edison not being where he was? Do you think, Jack?
1: Uh, A bit, but not a lot, I'd say. I think there are more, you know, obviously you can point to individual errors that Edison made. He was poor in the game. The City lost to United just before the lockdown. But I think, you know, there are bigger problems than him. You know, the failure to replace company, the injury to Laporte, the the sort of ageing of David Silva the general sense of perhaps tiredness or malaise elsewhere in the squad. I think there's if you were to if you were to write a list of reasons that City have been bad this year, or like bad in relative terms, of decreasing importance, I think Edison's individual form would be quite far down, I think. I'm not saying I'm not saying he hasn't had a dip, but I'm saying I, I wouldn't put too much explanatory weight on it.
0: I, I, yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm not sure, you know. Though, um, Sammy, it, like, there's, there's been moments in games where I've, 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 I've seen, like, you mentioned the Spurs one before, where I've, I've watched these shots come in, and okay, there hasn't been pressure on the ball, but I'd go, you know what, I, I'd have fancied him to save that last season.
2: Yeah, you know what, both Spurs games are really good examples, actually, because that first Spurs game at the Etihad, it should never have been to all. We're talking about chances created and quality of chances. Spurs had nothing but they had three shots so it was the header at the near post which we know is a big city problem or has been um, you've got the one that Edison should have done better on and then the other one was Kane had a shot from was it inside his own half
0: and that was it I think Spurs had five shots over two games and scored four goals
2: well that was it but then I, I would think even more so because Edison wasn't great god I certainly remember the Bergvijn goal in February he wasn't great for that but they created so many good chances and I think that's why it's an interesting parallel to the first season and I think it was that game in particular because City created so many good chances and it wasn't like they weren't getting into the usual spaces. They were still getting to the byline and making cutbacks and they were, obviously they had a penalty and you, you just think it's one of those where if City had scored those chances they had then you wouldn't be worried about Edison at all but at the same time if Edison had you know been a bit better if he had been as good as he had been in his first two seasons then they'd have had less problems but so I kind of agree with both of you but then I'm also going to agree with Jack in that it's not the most dramatic tailing off of a performance I've ever seen you know you could probably mention five City players who have had a bigger gap between their last two seasons and this one than Edison but he's he's certainly you know he will need to improve on the kind of the shot stop in front when when they get back to it whenever that is
0: Harry's sponsors Why Always Us a podcast brought to you by The Athletic Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality so they bought their own factory and now by taking less profit Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover as a listener you can start shaving with harry's today by claiming your trial sets for three pounds 95 support our podcast and get your set delivered to you including a razor handle five blade cartridge foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash why always us right now that's harrys.com forward slash why always us Given we've talked about the uh, the kind of Guardiola system, um, I'm interested to kind of dig into Guardiola and goalkeepers a little bit because um, Jackie's definitely changed what we expect from a goalkeeper. I mean, I read the Casper Schmeichel interview this week um, where he said it was it was Guardiola with Manuel Neuer that that really changed how to how a goal how he how he expects a goalkeeper to play.
1: Yeah, massively. This has been one of the amazing things I think about Pep. Pep's, Pep's whole managerial career has been. The sense has been the way that he has changed our expectations from that position and really revolutionised the game. Um, One in terms of the sweeper-keeper, that is having the keeper play so far up the pitch when you're out of possession and Schmeichel explains that really well saying that if you're going to, if you want to counter press high and try and win the ball back then you need your you know you can't have your keeper stuck in his own penalty area because then you'll be very vulnerable to the counter attack you need a goalkeeper who can come up to the halfway line to to sweep anything that the opposition hoofs up the pitch so that that is really interesting and then I think we've seen a second evolution in Edison, which is a keeper who is so ridiculously good on the ball that he he is able to play out from the back basically totally risk-free. And I mean, look, anyone who's watched City play in the last few years knows that Edison is just on another level with his feet from any other keeper I've ever seen. And Schmeichel actually makes the point in this interview with Rob Tanner, which is a, an amazing interview. I mean, from a City perspective as well as the sort of general goalkeeping perspective, I would absolutely read it. And Schmeichel makes the point that Edison is so good with his feet that actually teams are now reluctant to press City because there's no point in having your your front line go and try and press Edison and the centre-backs because they'll just keep it off you. Like The number of times I've seen, seen, you've seen the City game where the opposition strikers are swarming around Edison in the box and Edison has got, I don't know, Fernandinho and Laporte, company whoever, Around him, and he the way they just the way they just knock it around and break through that line of pressure is phenomenal. It is absolutely brilliant watching them do it up close, and that has really changed the game, and it has really changed how teams play against City. And whatever you might you know that's why I kind of think that even criticisms of Edison's shot stopping, which sometimes I think are fair enough, I just think like with Ed, like with Edison the pluses massively outweigh the minuses because he has. Changed how City are able to play, and he really under sorry just to go on. He really underlines that sense of globality that I was talking about earlier. Like only by having a goalkeeper like Edison can everything else that you're trying to do on the pitch take place. Like it's he makes everything else possible because of how good he is with his feet and how far he can play off his line. Like he he is the the interconnectedness with the other players and what they're trying to do. You have to bear that in mind because that is integral to how City play.
0: I'm not going to lie, though, Jack. It can be a very uncomfortable watch when you're in the East and you know w- w- watching him close down and and, and thinking, can you can you at least look like you're like you are a little bit panicked because you know I, I'm I'm feeling it here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it would be like watching your best mate walk on a tightrope with a blindfold on. Like, <laughs> like it's terrifying isn't it it's like god like oh my god i can't believe it i can't believe it like shane long shane long's coming shane long's coming watch 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 and yet yeah he knows it because he's got it under control and he passed it off to laporte and it's fine like it's always fine it's and yeah it is scary it's really scary
2: some of my best moments of watching city individual games and they, they yeah yeah because they usually go you know unheralded because city go and score three goals or whatever or maybe you know there's been a bigger problem and you're talking about something else. But it's just yeah, a little touch in the box or a little drag back from Edison and he just completely does the striker in cold and then so you just get on with it. Or he comes out of his box. Was it the Wolves game last season
0: when Bolly Southampton Southampton there was one. Uh, he was he was he was having a kick around with Fernandinho in the center circle.
2: Yeah, but that was was that last season? That was away around not New Year's Eve kind of time, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I can't remember. And then, I
0: think it might be the year before.
2: Okay, and then there was Wolves. Um there was Wolves last season at the Etihad, our January kind of time, and he it was miles outside of his box. Like City was three-one up, I think it was. It was quite an easy game in the end because Bolly got sent off. But he was miles out, and he kind of he ended up making a tackle. He gave it to someone, and he ended up giving it back, and he just made the pass from ten yards inside his own half. But I, yeah, some of my favourite moments are watching Edison do that because it's just so satisfying and it's so unusual. Like you, do, you don't get many goalkeepers, even the best goalkeepers, doing that. And certainly like- not in the way he does it, not the style he does it.
0: I was going to say cuz like we we talked briefly about Guardiola's first season a bit earlier on and that Claudio Bravo wasn't the answer. I mean it, it was also clear Sam that 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 Joe Hart wouldn't be the answer in that system.
2: No and exactly it's exactly what what Jack said a minute ago um about the globality of it and like it it's easy to it's easy to understand now um for everybody but if Joe Hart wasn't going to change his game and Joe Hart wasn't going to never mind the footwork never mind the passes but if Joe Hart wasn't going to play outside of his box, or prepared to rush out of his box, then it wasn't going to work. Because if you have a, a forward line that presses high and a midfield that follows and the defense that stays on the halfway line, and then you just put the ball over the top and you've got a fast player on the break and Joe Hart stays in his box, you've got all kinds of problems. So you need a goalkeeper that's going to that's gonna sweep up. So yeah, that goes all the way back to the Joe Hart situation in the first season, where I... I was told. I believe that there was a conversation between Hart and Guardiola, and Hart said, "Well, I'm not going to change. You know, I'm I am who I am. I've done what I've done, and I don't I don't feel like I need to make these changes to my game." So obviously, Guardiola was like, "Well, I've you know I've given you the opportunity, and if you're not going to, then you can forget it." Kind of thing. So you can just see why he he wasn't going to be in that season and why Caballero played so many games because at least you know it was more Caballero style. You know, Caballero is probably a downgrade on Bravo. So you've got a clear evolution there of Caballero to Bravo to Edison. But you could at least see the Caballero fit the style of what Guardiola needed. And actually a bit of a tangent, but I wrote that article the other week about um, what it's like to be in a Pep Guardiola press conference. Obviously sometimes he's really illuminating on his tactics if he doesn't think you're out to trip him up. And I remember Paul Hurst at the Times asked him in one of the first ones, he was like, what is it that you want Joe Hart to do or what is it that you want a goalkeeper to do? can you just explain it to us? And he really liked that and he explained that and not only did he explain it in the press conference, but uh, Man Estiata, his kind of right-hand man, went over to Paul afterwards and was kind of like, that was a good question. This is the kind of thing we're looking for. So just on a bit of a tangent there, but that is how, if you can tap into a tactical question and he doesn't think, or maybe if he's got a point to make that he wants to get out there, but if he doesn't think you're coming for him or criticising him, then he can be really, really receptive to that. And and that's one that always sticks in my mind because it was just such a simple explanation of the situation at the time when it was much easier to look at it and go oh my god this is Joe Hart it's a City legend I can't believe this is happening but really it was inevitable and I actually remember writing an article in I think it was May time when it emerged they wanted Ter Stegen. I was like well if they want tesh Stegen and looking at how Guardiola's been in the past then this could be a real problem for Joe Hart and it did make a lot of sense but you needed to know exactly what Guardiola wanted for it to make sense not that it made it any less painful for a lot of City fans of course who, who still love Joe Hart
0: Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com you've got the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash Y, that's W-H-Y and pay the postage of £4.95 and if that wasn't enough as a listener to Why Always Us, you'll get two extra free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer52 deliver a with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene as well. The beauty of Beer52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack thrown in as well. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash y, that's W-H-Y, to get your case free. And don't forget right now, why always us listeners get two extra free beers. This is interesting because I, I I want to tap into this a, a little bit, Jack, on, on on terms of City and goalkeepers because um, City have got a history of, of having what I think are actually quite good goalkeepers in, in in not necessarily great teams. And you look through kind of like just from from two thousand to the present, or so, They've had the likes of David James, Peter Schmeichel in, in there, and I you know I, I loved Nicky Weaver when he was there. Um, Joe Hart's been great. Shay Given was a great goalkeeper. A bit reluctant to leave his line like Hart, but you know is still a great goalkeeper. Um, when you when you think about how the goalkeeping position has changed Schmeichel touched on it in the interview about the back pass rule being changed and that, that forcing a lot of goalkeepers to, to to be able to play out i i kind of look at, at how city have played and think actually that I, i've seen some some great goalkeepers at the etihad and at main road down the years
1: it's difficult to pick a favorite or a best one i think that i mean look the, the any argument about the best would have to probably stick at Hart and Edison, just because they've each been involved in two Premier League title campaigns. I think City fans feel a huge amount of love for Joe Hart, obviously, because he was there when City were rubbish as well. You know, He he came into the team all the way, was it 2006, I think, under Stuart Pearce, and was there in the venue and Ericsson season, then went on loan to Birmingham City, then came back. And I remember when he, when he got the nod over Shea Given in 2010, after that year at Birmingham, that was a massive call by Mancini, and it was completely vindicated but cuz Hart was fantastic then and then of course Edison has done it in a very very different way and it being you know, in his own way being absolutely integral to how city have done but even when city were rubbish they still had some decent keepers Schmeichel Seaman James in that sort of early 2000s era the game
0: that they played at blackburn uh, where um they came from behind to uh, to win it was it was the year blackburn won the title in about in 95ish um under Brian Horton and it was Tony Coton in goal for City who looked like he was clearly struggling under the uh, under the lack of being able to pick up a back pass anymore and he, he like i remember i remember Coten as a great goalkeeper for city and yet the things i remember him for are letting two shots through him at blackburn uh, like skewing one to Alan Shearer and being sent being the first goalkeeper sent off uh, against derby
1: yeah well that's a very different era isn't it the kind of Martin Margerson Ike Immel mid 90s <laughs> i remember i had the uh, one of the first t-shirts I had was that awful yellow and black keepers kit. Do you know what I keepers, mean?
0: It, back, yeah, back when keepers kits were good.
1: It was yellow <laughs> with, like, weird black zigzags on, and I remember it had elbow pads, like, big elbow pads. I must have... I wonder when I got that. Maybe, I'd say, 1995, 1996-ish, so I would have been about seven.
0: I think my first keeper kit was the one before that, the green... Was it green and purple, the... um the kind of zigzag stripes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember throwing throwing myself around in the in the garden dreaming of being Ike Immel. (laughs) <laughs> I think if
0: you'd have worn it on a match day, you'd have had a good chance of getting into the team you, at, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, at that stage. Um, Sam, when you look at uh, at someone like um, in the more recent years, you look at at someone like Joe Hart and uh, and and the position he played. Like Jack said, he was great in the uh, in the Mancini and Pellegrini title wins. It, it very much points to uh, to the style of, of of the goalkeeper needing to to be in the same style of the team, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um... I was speaking to Nicky Weaver yesterday. So he, you know, he's actually, he was at City and worked with a lot of those great keepers you've just mentioned. He said, you know, in, in many ways, in terms of like, you know, agility and stature and and fitness and all this kind of stuff, he said David James was the best the best one he's worked with. And obviously, he was there when Schmeichel was there. He said Schmeichel was, you know, 39 at that point. So he didn't do a lot of training during the week. He just kind of did, you know, some handling exercises or whatever. And then he was like, you didn't want to speak to him on a match day because he was just so focused he just couldn't really get near him but he was like, but he, he always you know turned up and performed and he was he was solid and he said Kasper Schmeichel was there and he was like, he wasn't arrogant Kasper Schmeichel but he had kind of had this yeah kind of self belief around him that some people could take for arrogance that was how he put it um, but he said Schmeichel changed the game first because he was so big and imposing you know he had that massive spread so he said from then on everybody kind of wanted a big goalkeeper whereas before it didn't really matter about being big, you know. It, it was you, if you were just agile, or you know, if you think thinking like Peter Bonetti or Peter Shilton or whatever. Not especially huge goalkeepers, just agile with good reflexes. But that that kind of changed the game. And yeah, obviously now you've gone. You need you need a lot more. see so in, Like in Edison's case, he's an f- elephant of a bloke, and uh, <laughs> Man, Manuel Noy is massive as well. But they've they've still yeah they've still got these different they've still got these different attributes that you need that's the the evolution of a football goalkeeper so it's kind of like it's gone from the Schmeichel type for being massive um, but still agile enough but now you need to add the the passing to that as well and the the distribution and yeah, if you go back to, to Joe Hart if you think of Edison's best kind of contributions for City you remember some good saves he's made some fantastic saves but it's you talk about you talk more about the kicking don't you or, or the passing or the rushing out of his box or doing something mad or you know something that's still really important to how City play a bit in a different way but if you think about Joe Hart and go back to your question about the suitability of the, the style of the goalkeeper to how the team plays you always think of you know the Dortmund game or the the Barca game when he makes loads of good saves and
0: save after save after save yeah. and
2: yeah and that's also at a time when you know City were kind of new in Europe and City's kind of role in those games was the classic you know English team in Europe you know you're you're playing these continentals who are much better than us on the ball so we're going to kind of sit back and soak it up and and see what happens and you know. It, it's always a bit disingenuous when you say a goalkeeper's a good shot stopper but for, but for a good shot stopper like Joe Hart for a goalkeeper who's completely suited to that game he was perfect for, for City at that point because that's exactly what they needed and he was great at doing that
0: I have to ask you both to uh, to finish what's, what, what's the best save you've seen at the Etihad oh wow great
1: question great question
2: this is really difficult. In fact, I'm going to mention this because it it, it gets into my article that's published on Wednesday, and it goes back to the Leicester game, and it's it's enough of a City link. He's not a City player, but Kasper Schmeichel against Aguero. Do you remember in that that game when Comp scored last season against Leicester? Obviously, City so didn't create a lot. Aguero had a great chance. I think Schmeichel did a fantastic save. I can't even remember the exact nature of it. I just remember it was so good, and it could have been so important, and just kind of scrambling around for an answer I'm going to go for that because obviously Casper Schmeichel he's linked to City we've got this great article on the Athletic that you can all go and read <laughs> with a 90 day free trial and it was in a City game and I remember it so I'm going to go for that Schmeichel against Aguero
0: I'm really disappointed Sam that you didn't pick mine when I tipped your effort round the post You know? oh that was so annoying
2: <laughs> even just for context this was a warm up this was just knocking the ball around before we played a team of Manchester City staff. The journalists played a team of Manchester City staff at the Etihad in 2018. We were just warming up. I curled a shot that was going towards the top corner. Obviously, it can't have been that far towards the top corner if Mooney got it. But he, <laughs> he threw up a hand from somewhere and tipped it wide. And I was just like, just that would have been a great way just to put the ball in the net at the Etihad. How, where, how did he do that? that? Yeah, that was annoying.
0: Better than any city keepers uh, save I, I can think of at the top of my head as well. right? <laughs> uh, that's it for this week's Why Always You've been listening to Sam Lee. Thanks very much. And Jack Pitbrook. Thank you. And to me, David Mooney. If you'd like to get ad-free podcasts, as Sam mentioned, then you make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 90-day free trial now by using the code MANCITYPOD. <laughs>